Welcome to another edition of From the Front Lines, where we discuss both the day-to-day and one-of-a-kind issues facing real estate managers. Our topic today is gender and diversity, and I'm here with Wendy Mann, CEO of Crew Network, who recently conducted a benchmarking study on gender and diversity in commercial real estate. Wendy, first, please tell us about the study, who participated, and what was the goal? So um, the study was designed and um, we partnered with a, the MIT Center for Real Estate. And it is actually a, uh, a benchmark study that we started doing in 20, uh, 2005. And the reason we started doing it was we, we felt, and the leadership at that time felt that to be really credible about where we are and where we're going and, and the progress we're making, we really needed to benchmark uh, where women were in the, the industry, and then we could tell over the years and the work we were doing whether or not it was moving the needle forward. And so it is a seminal study and that there is nobody else, and, and there is nobody else currently and, and definitely at that time, doing this kind of, of research and being able to benchmark that uh, women in the industry. Now, this what makes this study unique and um, very forward-looking is that we made the decision to look not only at women in the study, but also uh, people of color. And so we did used a broader diversity lens rather than just gender. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through. But this, so the study was conducted in the first quarter of 2020 uh, for um, for um, uh, the sake of the study, it should be known that the responses um, should all be considered pre-COVID. So we had closed the study right as COVID uh, was becoming uh, an impact. And so the, the responses are pre-COVID. Uh, we had a response rate of 2,930, which rep- represents for us a 34% increase. And what I, I'd like to say about that is I believe it's because for the first time, all the industry organizations um, were invited to uh, participate and support it to help us get more men, uh, whereas CREW has all the women, um, ICSC, NAOP, BOMA, um, and NMHC also supported uh, by distributing the survey to their members and inviting them to participate. We also partnered with NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction as well. So um, a great response this time around, and uh, I would uh, just again statistically let you know that 82% of the respondents identified as women, 17 as men, 13% uh, black indigenous people of color, and 3% LGBT. And so um, so those are some of the highlights of uh, the study and, and just the basic overview. And our goals really are to assess, again, the progress of where we are today. Wow, great response rate. So what would you say are the top three findings of the study overall? Well, I really like to do good news, bad news. So I'll give you the good news first. Uh, The good news for this study was that women in brokerage is up 6%. Uh, In 2015, uh, 23% indicated they were in brokerage. In 2020, we had 29%. And so that's a really great statistic. And the reason why is because historically, women have been um, averse to risk-taking, to going to a fully commissioned position. But we're finding a lot of young women have an entrepreneurial spirit, and they really feel like um, they can take this and make their own, create their own wealth. And so I think that's an important aspect. And I know that SAOR um, has been a partner with us as well on the study and distribution. And so they have been working very diligently on getting more women in brokerage. And so that's a great result for them. On the bad news side, I, I think it's really 
really uh, unfortunate that uh, our bad news is really the compensation gap. Uh, the compensation gap has increased uh, tremendously. Um, so let's take it in two parts. Overall, the difference in compensation, which includes a salary bonuses and commission combined, is 34%, which is an 11% increase over 2015 when we did the study. Now, the thing I want to point out about this, uh, Suzanne, is that what really is disturbing is that um, overall women earn 10% less than men in base salaries, but the gap for women of color, Asian women, it's 14% salaries only, women, uh, black women, 15%, and Hispanic Latinx women, the gap is 20%. Um, so you see that, I mean, there's a uh, definite ways to go in terms of closing that gap, and it's, it's really unfortunate that uh, women of color are facing even greater barriers than uh, women overall. Uh, and then when we look at the compensation uh, or the uh, commission and bonus side, the gap is 56% for all women. And when you look at women of color, Asian women, it's black women, it's 71%. Asian women, 73%, and Hispanic Latinx women, 74%. So if you think about that, on bonuses and commission alone, women who are Hispanic Latinx are getting 75% less than men. Wow. That to me just seems like unbelievably wide gap. It seems like the Grand Canyon of gaps, doesn't it? And I just don't know what, uh, you know, it's, it's unconscionable to me that there's that big of a gap. So, um, so that has been the bad news for this study. I think um, at least one piece of bad news is both salaries and commissions and bonus are still um, amazingly wide gap. And then the other piece of bad news I thought was that uh, in this study, 5% less women are in senior executive positions, which goes against what we want to be doing, which is advancing women into the uh, senior executive level positions. And when I say that senior executive, I'm talking SVP, managing director or managing partner roles. And so seeing a decline in that is just, it's disheartening. And, and I don't, we don't know the reason why. We can extrapolate and guess, but um, I wonder if it leads to one of the other parts of the study, which was related to satisfaction. So those are the top, top three things that I'd pull out as findings, good news, bad news. Wow, that is really interesting and a little disheartening, as you said, in some cases. Wendy, what did the study show about career trajectory for women in commercial real estate? So interestingly enough, that's a great question as well, uh, because we are trying to advance women. So looking at trajectory is important. So a couple fact uh, data points that I'd share is that uh, 43% of men and 32% of women aspire to reach the C-suite. Now that's up. Uh, for both by 4% since our last study in 25, uh, 2015. So that's really good news that more women are aspiring. But isn't that interesting that it kind of goes uh, against the, the bad news I just said that 5% uh, women are, uh, less women are in those roles. So it's good to see that there's an aspiration there among women who did respond. The other interesting piece of this study that I'll point out, and this might go to this 32%, which of uh, uh, women who aspire to the C-suite is that women under 40 are more interested in reaching the C-suite than women over 40. And again, so here's this again, we don't know for a fact, but I would extrapolate from the data to say, when you look at one of the other factors that we surveyed, which is job satisfaction, which we have surveyed in every benchmark study since I think 2010, um, job satisfaction has, has declined so this may be tied to the lack of aspiration for the older generation. When you think about it, you know, they've been trudging this road for 30 years, 40 years. They're now in their 50s and they think, oh, you know, 
this is it. I mean, I'm never going to get there. And so, um, so perhaps that satisfaction, you know, um, uh, indicator and it's, and, and frankly, the satisfaction, uh, uh, job satisfaction is the lowest it has been since we began the study in 2005. Uh, so that's pretty significant, I'd say, that there's a lot of job satisfaction. And again, remember, this was pre-COVID, so it has nothing to do with that. I think that it probably has a lot to do, especially for the older generation, of having come up during the most difficult times in, in the history of the industry, which would be, you know, the late 80s, 80s, 90s, and into the early 2000s, and just really not seeing much opportunity or progress for women or seeing very little change in terms of the culture of organizations. Now, I will say that we are uh, highly encouraged by the increase in the number of women under 39 who participated in the study. And again, that might be why you're seeing an increase in the uh, aspiration rate to 30, 32% because there are younger women participating. They have higher aspirations. They're at an earlier point in their career. You know, those could all be factors. Hi, we're Ira. For over 85 years, our members have made us the world's strongest voice for all things real estate management. Almost 20,000 leaders in commercial and residential management call us home for learning, certifications, and networking. We provide our members with access to the most complete knowledge base and instructional offering in real estate management. Join IRAM today as an associate member and you'll be connected to peers, prospective employers, and leading industry thinkers. And you'll have a gateway to the most recognized certifications in real estate management. Join today at ibram.org. So what did the survey tell us about diversity and culture in commercial real estate? And how did that compare to other industries? Yeah. So, that, so it's really interesting that, um, uh, and no surprise, that 16% of respondents said that their workplace is diverse. 24% said somewhere diverse, somewhat diverse. But those who said uh, not very diverse or not diverse at all is 59%. And so that's, that's greater than 50% of the uh, industry. And listen, I have to say, this is no surprise, right? We look around our offices and we look around our conventions every day. We can see that it's predominantly men and they're predominantly white. So that didn't really surprise me, but it gives us a starting point to benchmark, which was really our goal. We wanted to have a starting point so that every five years now when we go back, we can see if that's getting better. Now, the thing that's really important about it is that even though uh, 59% said that their workplace was not very or not at all diverse, what they did indicate was that there's a shift in the culture. So there's a, things that are driving workplace culture shift. And so if you see like a, a couple of the high points of that, I can say that 66% of uh, respondents said that external pressures in the in industry are causing a cultural shift in the workplace. Uh, 44% said changes within the internal leadership within the company. And then 40% from uh, staff wanting change. And so I think that what you're, we're seeing is this, I, I liken it to a, a box. You're seeing the external pressures on both sides from customers and business partners saying, we want to work with companies that are more diverse. And then you see a top-down approach where new CEOs are coming in and being directed through leadership, through stakeholders, and uh, perhaps... Um, other shareholders uh, pushing down from the top down saying we need to be more diverse. And then it, also when you're thinking about the talent pipeline and the talent challenge of finding new talent, there's uh, the talent that's coming up. They want to work for companies that embrace their values and DEI is 
definitely a value of the millennial generation. And so you're seeing this push by employees coming into companies saying, look, we want to work for a company uh, that walks its talk on DEI. So if you think about that box, what's happening to companies is they're getting the pressure from all sides. There's no way that they can't change because if they want great partners, if they want great talent, and you want to see great leadership, you really need to walk the talk of, of diversity and inclusion. So I think that's the cultural shift that you're seeing. The other measure that we did on um, workplace culture was whether or not there was pe- uh, women were experiencing uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. And th- th- thankfully, um, 93% said that they had never re- experienced it. And uh, said at least one or more times. And so hopefully between now and the next time we measure, we'll see that decline as well. Um, And then there's also what we determined, we called offensive behavior in the workplace. And 55% of women said that they had never had experienced that 55%, which I think is a a good thing. But 45% said they had experienced it one or more times. And again, this is offensive behavior, which could be anything from slurs, or um, sexual uh, commentary, uh, derogatory remarks, those kinds of things. We didn't define it. We let people self-define it. So that kind of culture we see um, uh, still part of what we face as women, but I think that we'll see in five years, uh, along with DEI, we'll see some shifts in that as well. And the other thing I would just call attention to when we're talking about career trajectory um, and and, um, culture, workplace culture and diversity is, I'd like to call out the barriers to success for black, indigenous, and people of color. Um, We we measure that for all men and all women, but we pulled out this time the the BIPOC community. And the reason why is because, again, we want to know if that changes for them. And so this time around, with no comparison, we know that um, number one uh, barrier is lack of promotional opportunity. The second is a lack of a company mentor or sponsor. Number three is gender discrimination. Um, Number four is a personal choice to maintain work-life balance. And then number five is a limited access to decision makers. And I think that's important to point out because I think in five years when we come back, you and I will talk again about the barriers of success as well as uh, sexual harassment and uh, offensive behavior. And hopefully we'll have data show that that has changed and gotten better as well. Absolutely. Let's hope so. And to that end, what actions can be taken by organizations to increase diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout our industry? So here's the rub, right? This is where the rubber hits the road. And um, and we're seeing it right now because of the broader societal impacts that have happened is that companies really are, I think, for the first time ever, um, you know, buckling down and really committing to DEI. And I think that's a very good thing. So the first, there are five things that we say in our study, in the benchmark that we recommend. And number, number one is that um, DEI and commitment to that stops at the, starts at the top of the organization. If the CEO is not holding senior executives accountable for truly embracing and walking the talk of DEI, you won't see that culture in the company. So that, that's the CEO's need to take responsibility and hold accountable everyone within their leadership for commitment. The second thing is to be honest about unconscious bias in hiring and promoting. That to me is also unconscious bias or even bias period, a conscious or unconscious. Uh, we really need to take that by the horns and, and remedy that and make sure that everyone in the, in the company understands what conscious or unconscious bias is because we can't eradicate that if we don't understand. And sometimes honestly, I think people are surprised when they realize, oh, that's bias? I didn't know that. 
Um, there's a lot of that. So I think that's also um, something that needs to be addressed. And the only way to do that is, again, the training is a key component, but holding people accountable as well. Uh, number three is conducting employee pay equity tests regularly, not just every five years, but regularly to identify where there's disparities for men, women, and uh, women of color. And then number four, focus on intentionality in recruiting a diverse workforce. You know, we often hear, oh, there aren't enough, not enough uh, people of color in the industry, that's why we don't have them. Well, I think that if you, we become more intentional and we, we aren't satisfied until we have a diverse slate of individuals to consider, then that's when we'll start seeing that change. And to, to really focus on partnering with the HBCUs, uh, the Asian Real Estate Association, uh, the uh, uh, executive real estate real estate executive council reads. The, there's a lot of people out there that I think get overlooked or aren't tapped, and so I think that intentionality is really important. And then finally, number five is to partner with Crew Network. We are a conduit and uh, provide the access to women and women of color for this industry. There's no other organization that has that mission and has that talent pipeline. So I encourage um, companies. Talk to us, partner with us. We have a lot of benefits that you get as a partner when you come partner with us um, in terms of talent pipeline and the training and development of your leadership. Thank you so much, Wendy, for sharing the results of this seminal benchmarking study for the commercial real estate industry. And the study is available for free on your website, I understand, at www.crewnetwork.org. Thank you so much again, Wendy. Thank you, Suzanne. Appreciate it. And uh, appreciate Iram's interest and support uh, and partnership in this, um, making women a more prominent role in commercial real estate. Thank you so much. Visit iram.org for more knowledge to take on real estate management's most dynamic challenges. That's www.irem.org.